what we have here in front of us. Again, I'm so happy to have an all-female show. Yay! Except for yeah. a couple of you guys. <laughs> well, except for those guys who I work with all the time. Um, anyway, I think I'm not on the mic. You are. Okay, I am. I can't hear myself. Uh, Nicole Hollander and Kate Hill, host and producer, Louder Than a Mom, mm -hmm. uh, which is kind of a play on Louder Than a Bomb. Yeah. Uh, which, so we're going to welcome to Live from the Heartland first. Thanks for having us. It's, thank you. Thank thanks you. for getting up early and coming down <laughs> to the studio. So tell us, what the heck is Louder Than a Mom? How did it come to be? Let's mom. start with that. It is, it's a storytelling event held the third Monday of every month at Martyrs, um, and it kind of came to be, I'm going to keep it as short as I can, um, my friend Terry Murray said, uh, or my friend Terry and I had children at the same school, um, Katie in school, Bell. Oh, and that's my we would call, Yeah, we would call <laughs> Bell school, great school. drop off in the morning, and kind of make try and make each other feel better about our terrible parenting abilities. <laughs> so we would say, oh, you know, I, you know, I yelled at my kid, I, you know, beat my kid, you know, whatever. God, and we laugh and say, ourselves. oh my God, you know, whatever. We're great people and ha ha ha, whatever, and get on with our days. And <laughs> one day Terry called me and said her daughter was doing louder than a bomb and said, she said to her daughter, you know, I'm going to get all the mothers together, call it louder than a mom. And we're going to complain about our kids. And I, when she told me that in our little morning chat, I was like, "Oh my God, that's the name. That's that's the name of our movie. You know, we got to we got to hold on to that." Um, flash forward a couple of years, I ran into my old friend D. Ryan, who I had uh, done sketch comedy with, and I said, "I've got a title, and but I don't know what it is." And this is how it came about. You know, Terry and I were just sharing terrible parenting, you know, incidents, and we would laugh and feel better about it. And she's like, "I don't know." She's like. Is that maybe what it is? Mm -hmm. So we decided just to go with a, a storytelling thing, um, mostly to give voice to people who are voiceless mothers, because mothers, mothers are, are completely invisible. And we just kind of threw it out there, gathered a couple of friends and family, and we did a couple of shows. And then yes. our friend Karen Carter introduced us to Nicole. Who has nothing to do with being a mom, yet they allowed me in. Oh, I love that. <laughs> I love that. So it, it, it was not really about mothers, but no. it, was about, it was about sharing stories and building a community. And all these years later, four years later, we've got this amazing, massive community that really has nothing to do with being a loud mother. No, the other, the <laughs> other thing is that they always give a theme. Uh -huh. You know, this is a theme, and that's the theme that I like to ignore completely when I get up and do <laughs> and something. She does. she does it so well. <laughs> so she's, you've got an anarchist on your hands. Oh, yeah. Or, or two, yeah, or three or four, yeah. Um, I met uh, June Hewitt uh, at the uh, Goodman Theater um, training session. They have them all over at centers. And you tell stories, and you're sort of organized and directed, you know, and then there, too, you ignore everything, and you get up there. And we, we've been doing this for some time, and I looked at her and said, uh, boy, I like your work. She said, I like your work. And we decided to do it together. Wow. So we get up in front of the audience and do the theme or our approximation of the theme together. 
So for those of you listening who go, Nicole Hollander, where have I heard that name before? <clears throat> where you've heard it is the byline of Sylvia, uh, an incredibly popular and wonderful comic series. How do you call it? Cartoon, Cartoon strip. Syndicated yeah. in the Tribune. Yeah, yeah. Oh, right, yeah. Right. All, all over the place. So Big we'll time. go more into Sylvia, but that's yeah. just, I just wanted to mention that's, that's who we're talking to here. Um, as well as talking to Kate Hill. Kate, I want to go back to you. Where did you do stand-up comedy? I didn't do stand-up. I oh. did uh, sketch comedy. Um, and we, Dee and I, were in a group called Nude Coffee 100 years ago okay. um, in the early 90s. And we did it at um, the Improv on Wells. Wow, improv, impressive. If anyone remembers mm-hmm. that. Yeah. I just wanted yeah, to so get we that the out there. first female, all female sketch comedy troupe. Sweet. New coffee. Well, tell us so. too a little briefly about your other work besides putting on louder than a mom. You have a club. I do. Yeah, martyrs. So. Um, oh, that's you your. Have a, yeah, yeah. We have a music <laughs> venue on the north side, thirty-eight fifty-five North Lincoln. Um, twenty-three, almost twenty-four years of providing some of the best music and you've got a kid in a band and his name is up on the wall here yeah I, yeah I got all three of my kids are in bands but yeah the the unknowns the the now broken up punk amazing so punk why do you think band. storytelling has sort of taken off the last 10 or 20 years I, I have my own theory that Ira Glass kind of popularized yeah, people he did do it. Yeah. sitting and listening for more than 30 seconds at something but yes. beyond his particular style it just seems to have exploded I noticed yeah. in a quick trip through the YouTube takes of, of your show at Martyrs that there are a lot of Moss Radio type people that yes. end up appearing so obviously there's a circuit but you're also having regular people why, why is storytelling become the thing I don't know, but I'm really glad <laughs> because there was Sylvia, you know, and and she told stories, and they were of a different um, style and quick, yeah. you know, right. and the punchline, you know, it's blah blah blah, and then the punchline plus that visible thing, yeah, the, of cats and talking to the TV, cats getting, and armchairs, yeah, <laughs> anyone, anything that could talk would talk. So you can tell about storytelling, yeah. though. Well, I, storytelling, is, you know, we, we all have stories. We all have, you know, and, and part part of what storytelling does, I think, is connect us with, with like-minded people or even just people in general. And, you know, computers have taken over, the internet has taken over, we don't get together, there are no, you know, there's, there are no, there's no pub, there's no plaza, so people gather and share stories about their yeah. lives, and I think, you know, we, we can all connect with almost any story, even a terrible story, it's like, oh, you know. Yeah, this is the pub for us. I wonder if, mentioning that, if it, it became popular because as we got older, couldn't hold our own at a pub for as long (laughs) anymore, that that we've got a different version of self-entertainment that is a little uh, kinder to the uh, Constitution, as it were, than drinking all night and other things, whatever. It is, and everyone gets like their their little moment, you know, Uh on stage or in front of a microphone or whatever, and they get to share part of their lives. And we're not... We're not talking on the phone. We are not yeah. listening to the phone. We are sitting in an audience and drinking in everything that these people say. And everything's a surprise. Yeah. Suddenly someone comes up and tells a story. Interesting. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. it's wonderful. Well, there are a number of places around town that are doing storytelling. Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah, it's, it's like, wow. uh, and then we've had a couple of wonderful storytellers on the show. We've had Sue Halloran. 
-hmm. and we've had Mike McCarty yeah. and um, I know my daughter Koya Paz did one up at the, the Glenwood at the bar there was a well, Dorothy, Mil Dorothy Milne and the, and the girls. Oh, yeah, sure. She's, uh, she's at Lifeline Theater. Yeah. I actually uh, was at the nail salon, believe it or not. See my nose. <laughs> the other day. Fabulous. And Dorothy walks in with two of her cohorts from Lifeline Theater, and she brings a bottle of wine, and the, the woman who runs the nail salon supplies the wine glasses. I'm like, I, I got to come here with you guys. Yeah, right. Yeah. But speaking of that, there's a feminist aspect to what I hear you saying, particularly when you start out um, saying, you know, moms absolutely require other moms to bounce off yeah. uh, their experiences. Yeah. I have recently been binge watching mm -hmm. Call the Midwives, uh -huh. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. and it's such a dip into the feminist uh, uh, heart and uh, of of the world. And so, do you feel how essential? The conversation that uh, a woman-run conversation is to people. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think, I, I think women can change the world. Yeah. You know, um, just, and I, I don't, I don't know if it's you know capacity issues or just being able to you know to to relate, you know, like the. Look, looking beyond their own their own worlds, you know. Um, but but it but is women, their own world voice, too. But women women's voice, I think, is is really important to running the world. Yeah. You know? Without my mother and her pals, there would have been no Sylvia. Yeah. You know. Oh, um, great. You know, we were there. The kids were there. Observing. These three women all had girls within a year of each other. They married guys who went to the same social club. The men did not speak from one year to the next. They were very quiet. Um, and so we sat and had, if we were quiet, we could sit there and listen to them. So we were really careful about not interfering yeah. with him. And, and, and listening. And listening and, and, then, and getting all that that sound of how they dissed everyone. <laughs> when was the first Sylvia and how did you uh, come up with the name and uh, give us a little background on yeah, uh, the start of your wonderful cartoon series. I think we haven't start even mentioned this yet. We've yeah, got to remember in, 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 in 1980 was the first cartoon. Um, and I, I got into, um, one time, what, what was first? Sh Sherry Height. Do you remember she did yeah, a book? I, you know, yeah. a sex book. And so suddenly, oh, sure. you know, sex yeah, book. Yeah, everybody, <laughs> everybody, everybody's slightly interested. So, um, <laughs> so yeah. this woman from uh, New York calls me. She's the editor of Sher Sherry Height, and she says, "I want to do a book of your cartoons." Because I was working for the spokeswoman then, and that was a feminist oh. newsletter, oh, right. and that came out monthly. So um, that's where Sylvia first appeared. Yeah, the very first. Good for you. Yeah, I mean the very first cartoon was a man and a woman are sitting in front of cherry pies, and the man has a bigger piece, the woman has a little piece. She oh, just points, like home. Yeah, she points <laughs> him to the sky. He looks away. She takes his piece. So I mean, that that was the whole, and that is that is the whole thing. Hey, look over there. <laughs> Boom. 
before we talk about the book, uh, what did you think of Michelle Wolf's performance last week? Oh, I yes. loved it. I thought she was spot on. She was brilliant. Yeah. I like her very much. Oh, yeah, gosh. I think she's she, really she's great. She's smart. adorable too. Yeah, but she the re- but the reaction. Oh, but the, oh. those no one spoke. I mean, they were like so tight. Those people watching. Yeah, so <laughs> ugly, so thin-mouthed. All of them. <laughs> it was pretty amazing, wasn't it? Yeah, it was amazing. And I, I thought the reaction was very telling and demonstrated a lot about that inside the Beltway bubble that yeah. they're all part of. Yeah. Yeah. They're feeding off each of. other. Yeah. And they're normalizing yeah. this kind of behavior. Yeah. And I think she just cut through it. I mean, yeah. she, there was no one unscathed by her. Nobody. Right. And, yeah. and they were brilliant jokes. Yeah, yeah. brilliant. Yeah, brilliant. She's very jokes. good. She took a lot of heat, but all all the late night guys came to her rescue. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's right. 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 And yeah. I, you know, I think a lot of just regular people. You know, I follow her now. I'm like Michelle Wolf. I love her. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So she was great. Let's get back to one of the reasons that we're here today is that Nicole's got a new book out, and you're going to be reading from it at the at one of the next yeah uh, martyrs martyrs, martyrs events. Yeah. Um, yeah. On May so let's first yeah. Talk about Hold that. that book up when you're talking so Indeed. I can get a good view of it. We there go. we go. So it's this called is on We video Ate too, you know. We Ate Wonder Bread. Um, All right. Tell us about the book. <laughs> I got a residency uh, in Lake Forest at Ragdale. And uh, they put me in a fabulous uh, building and I I came there with big sheets of paper and charcoal, and I just drew all day for two weeks. Dang, you know, and um, and looked out over the prairie, and uh, eventually, two years later, it, it it came into a book. But the, that two weeks was the kickoff. Oh yeah, it really was. See, that's yeah. I pay attention to that as a as a potential writer of books. You, oh yeah, you do have to have a concentrated time gift of time and people yeah. are there they're all doing it they're all working and you talk to them at dinner and then you go off and Sweet. do your own thing and it's, it's wonderful tell us a little bit about the truth about growing up on the west side where you ate wonder bread <laughs> the truth of it is is that uh, we lived in the one building that was Jewish um, we lived in the smaller apartments that was the distinction, and uh, hence the Wonder Bread. Yeah, and uh, we there was a corner store, a mom and pop corner store. Uh, Where on the west side? It was right above the Congress Expressway. It was Congress and Springfield, and we our building, the courtyard had thirty nine fourteen with Congress, and that's how I found the germ of the story. I I looked it up on Google. I didn't realize my building was still there. And, and it was Go just drive by. Yeah, use your dead camera. Take a picture. Yeah, so so uh, that's what I did, and uh, and it all and it all comes back. And even you know, if it doesn't all come back, uh, you can say it did. You know? <laughs> What's the diciest thing in your book from, from your memoir? You know, I think the diciest thing is that people. Um, I put some things in the book that people they. They were so gentle in a way then. People didn't <laughs> say really ugly things to each other. That's true. And, yeah. and you know, and people watched out for the kids. I mean, it's not like they were kind and loving to them, but they they were there. That's you right. You know, um, and we we slept in the dining room. You know, all the all the kids and the woman upstairs who I write about who loved men. Her parents thought they could protect her from being a bad girl. Well, she was born a bad girl, you know? <laughs> and uh, 
they, they made her a beautiful room, and the curtains were shantung, the rug was wall to wall, and still she had nude pictures taken of herself in her bedroom. You know, so, um, but that kind of situation was that, that she came, I, I could hear her crying because I was in, in, the, in the dining room. Wow. And sobbing, you know, and, you know, because she saw the pictures. But my dad, who is a bit of a bad boy, said, uh, don't worry, I'll take care of it. Mm. You know, so her life was not ruined. Wow. The cover graphic of your book, We Ate Wonder Bread, yes. really caught my eye. Yes, it <laughs> caught your eye. <laughs> I mean, it was clearly so a Sylvia graphic, except it had a very Picasso feel to it. Yes, true. Um, <laughs> Thank and I, you. And, yes. and I have to mention that, having just brought a whole group of Chinese uh, health professionals through the Art Institute a couple of evenings ago, and you get to this one gallery in the, in the modern wing where you have the very traditional Picasso mother and child Madonna scene on one wall, kind of a pinkish famous, and on the other one is one of his totally exploded abstract, but it's a woman, and um, I'm just fascinated with how your style has evolved. Did you Were you conscious of that when you brought that pad of paper and charcoal to your retreat? Was there a particular thing you were trying to do with your art? Now, I was thinking of the story of my childhood and the characters in it, but I, I, you put a, you know, you take a piece of charcoal and you have paper that's so big and you're so small and you just start doing it. And every, you know, there's, you don't hold anything back. Um, sweet. Yeah. yeah. Sweet. So, uh, I, I don't know if you're prepared to, but while we remind people of your appearance, do you want to read something, a little piece of your book? Sure. So, uh, tell what us you, when she's coming on and where. She'll on. So, Nicole's going to be doing a reading and book signing on May 21st at 7 p.m. at Martyrs, 3855 North Lincoln. Um, so she'll be on stage doing some readings, excerpts, and then she'll we'll have the books for sale um, afterwards. And, and then after that, we'll do we'll have a regular Louder Than a Mom, where she and her um, reading and writing partner June are going to be one of the eight storytellers that we have. So Sweet, I'm pretty excited about that. So it is one of the regular uh, meetings of Louder it's, Than a it's Mom. A, yeah, it'll be a regular Louder Than a Mom. We've got some really great storytellers. Eddie Johnson, Watson, and um, Jimmy Crane. Oh, that's, that's terrific. Yeah. yeah. So have you found something, Nicole? Yeah. Well, here's, you might want to hear about my dad. Okay. There's a uniformed policeman coming up the walk in the courtyard of our yellow brick building on Congress Street. I ask a neighbor what's happening. Quick as a whip, she says, he's selling tickets to the policeman's ball. Why was I cautious? Did I have a feeling of impending disaster? <laughs> or did the sight of a policeman make her lie automatically to protect me? My father had a number of bad habits. <laughs> One was to graciously accept a speeding ticket from a policeman through his roll-down window and then tear it into many tiny pieces <laughs> and throw it out the window in time for the policeman to see the pieces flutter into the air. <laughs> it was a spectacle, satisfying in that it confirmed my father was afraid of nothing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're not going to go further? Oh, okay. Yeah, don't go, go further. Give us a little more tips. Or at least my father gave the no thought 
to the results of his actions. Yes, I enjoyed it. Yes, it formed me. Mm. I think it was this kind of behavior that made me think he was a god. He was a fearsome god also with a bad temper. Once I told him to go to hell, I'm not scared of you. Well, of course I was. Mm. He smiled a scary smile and asked my aunt, did you hear that? She said, I'm sure she didn't mean it. Uh. On weekends, my father liked to drive. He drove out to the country. I don't know if he had any idea where he was going. Movement was the thing. To us, getting out of the house with a without a terrible scene was the thing. This was rare. I remember what I'm wearing on this weekend because it is the occasion for an outburst. I'm wearing a navy blue suit and a white blouse with a large collar. The blouse says cuffs. I remember the outfit and my hairstyle because I have a studio portrait of it. It must have been my graduation outfit. My father notices that the collar and cuffs are not clean. He begins to shout that they have to be taken off and ironed. The amazing part of this story is that he removes them all, washes them right there and irons them. And my mother is never asked to do a thing because she would not be capable of taking those cuffs off and washing and ironing them. But we had to, you know, we had to wait for the moment in which he would get over how furious he was at, at us and at her and we would be ready to go out and have a trip. Wow. wow. Thank you so much for that. This is uh, Nicole Hollander and Kate Hill talking about both Nicole's book she just read from, which is called We Ate Wonder Bread, and uh, Kate Hill's production of, um, a regular monthly production of Louder Than a Mom at Martyrs on Lincoln Avenue. Um, you know, I want to, just a different territory a little bit, because we are all of a certain age here around this table, and 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 <laughs> really more so a variety. <laughs> yes, uh, Michael gets the prize, um, maybe. Uh, I feel like we are all involved in one way or another of reinventing our lives um, to a certain extent. That's true. Mm -hmm. And uh, and I think I I want to say bravo to everybody for figuring out ways to do it. You with Louder Than a Mom at Martyrs and yeah. picking up storytelling and, and providing that space for people, which is huge. Um, I know that from having provided a space for many years, that community needs spaces yes. to gather in. Yep. And yeah. artistry and creativity need to ooze out of us. Um, I'm grateful to her, really, and, and for that space so much. Exactly, exactly. So how do we feel like our communities, um, do we feel like supported in that, in those endeavors? Um, or do we have to create the support? Or where do we go for support to keep creating ourselves and recreating ourselves? Yeah. Well, it's, it's, you know, it seems to me like it's, it's very well supported. But I, you know, I think in anything that's living, um, it it's always changing and it's always moving, and you you know you just have to kind of keep at it to keep it fresh and interesting. You know, from a producer's point of view, that's that you know I'm always looking for new horizons and like like oh what else can we do? How can we make it better? You know, how can we you know refine it in a way even though sure. it's not really refining it? You know, because we 
Nicole said, we, we, we never know what we're going to get. We don't know if we're going to fall off our chairs laughing or I think, sob. I think yeah. we can relate to that. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> so, yeah. And, you know, I think, you know, with, with young people that are just so tech savvy, and I'm way less so, you know, I'm feel like I'm scrambling, but not really, you know, I feel like I've, you know, the content, like the hanger, I, I've, I, got, I've got a hook in there somewhere. Yeah. And, you know, I'm just, I'm constantly thinking about ways to, you know, yeah. to connect with other people. And, people, and, you know, people of a certain age, you know, I, I, the first time I went there, I mean, you know, there was a very young audience. Yeah. And yeah, we're all over the place. But they all remember the stuff that I'm talking about. You know this fantasy that you have about this man or this woman, and and you know people relate to it, and and it's okay. They let you do it. Uh, I think you've hit on a, a key thing, because it is not to do with age. Um, right. You know when Lenny, uh, our first guest, was talking about Indivisible and the folks who have come into political activism for the first time in the past two years. That's a that's many ages uh, yeah. represented, and especially a lot of young people. Thank God. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, I know that your your audience at Martyrs is as well as uh, people our age, which I'm glad to hear. Uh, mostly a lot of young people, right? Yeah, mostly. Yeah. I'd yeah. say you. Yeah, and so it is universal. It, so we don't have to feel like we're old and in the way, right? No. No, I think that may have been true for earlier generations, but I think that uh, whether because people, some of us are healthier, some of us are uh, have kids who are involved. That's right. Uh, you know, there's yeah, a lot right. of activist old folks right now. Yes. Older people or aging people. Yeah. Uh, because you know, we have more time to be. Yeah, and this is this is the time we have to, uh, you know, be glad for what we've done. And pass some stuff on, and listen to the new stuff, and uh, you know, chip in with comments when wherever it's appropriate. Yeah. <laughs> it is well, give back time. Yeah. Absolutely, that's yeah. a good term. I, it seems, give it seems back to me time. like we're we're not ready to sit down yet. No, you know? mm -hmm. we're, we're, no. we're still we're still walking. Actually, I, I feel running, like if I know. sit down, that's kind of the end. Yeah, right. <laughs> I feel like it's use it or lose it time. Yeah. I have to tell you, I saw the the documentary on Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Oh yeah, oh yeah. You know, oh, and, and, and oh. notorious RBG. Oh, I love so, her so <laughs> wonderful. You know, and she says, you know, well, when I can't do it anymore, then I'll stop. I mean, she's going to be the judge of when she can't do it anymore. Right. And she's still going. Right. Yeah, I, she. I, I loved watching it with their dumbbells. I know. Oh yeah! Oh yeah! <laughs> now people got to get it. If you move your body, you know whether it's swimming, walking, running, biking, lifting weights, stretching, it's crucial. That's yeah. Michael's uh, yeah. credo, and he's a good proof of it. Uh, that or, or yeah. just sink into the earth. <laughs> True that. Yeah. So the book is "We Ate Wonder Bread," and Nicole Hollander will be reading from it at Martyrs on May twenty-first. May twenty-seven o'clock. And uh, we really appreciate having both her and Kate Hill here to talk about Louder Than a Mom. And it's a wonderful storytelling series that's there every month. And it features wonderful personalities like Nicole Hollander. So thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much. Thank you, so much. Thank you guys. North Lincoln Avenue.